Well, good morning. Um, we are in Romans, and we are in chapter 8, which is a very, very thick uh, chapter. And uh, I want you to think about this um, as the question we're going to look at. Um, how sure are you of God's love, just plainly? Um, and if your understanding and assurance of God's love were heightened in the next 30 minutes... Do you think Monday would be different? Do you think this next week could be different for you? Um, and there's a lot of joy, I think, in these three verses that we're going to look at this morning. But I think you're going to actually have a lot of questions. Because your view of God, my view of God, when I read Romans 8, and when, I, when I read Romans 9, Ephesians 1, there's a, there's a bigness to it. There's a grandeur to who God is that I love but I don't want to think about too much because then it begins to scare me a little bit and I wonder where my place is. So this is Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 28. So we find our hope and our surety in him. And as my buddy uh, texted me last night, he cannot have his surety in Auburn basketball because of what was done to them last night. <clears throat> Here we go, Romans eight twenty-eight, And we know that in all things, all things, Whatever happened this week, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God, here we go, foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And here is known as the golden chain, right? The links that you cannot pull apart. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. This is a you know, quintessential God-centric passage. And if you receive more assurance this morning, I think you're going to receive more joy. I think that will affect the way you look at your wife or your husband, the way you talk to your friends, the way you talk to your dad, the way you talk to your son. And so what this is telling us is that God has all things. So, mat, so no matter how much bad stuff is going on inside of you. As I had a phone call uh, this week with a dude who was in tears on the phone. I'm looking at things I shouldn't look at. I've got bad stuff inside of me, Frank. I cannot stop. I think God hates me. No. No. He does not hate you. No matter how much bad stuff is going on inside of you. Paul says, look, who's going to bring a charge against God's elect? Paul asks us, who, if God has called you, if he predestined you and called you and justified you in glory, who's going to bring a charge against you? I am the one who does the work. I'm the author and the perfecter of your faith. You, tell, you, show, me, you show me the man who's going to you know, bring something against you. It's all paid for. God loves you no matter how much bad stuff happens inside of you. And here's the thing. God loves you no matter how much bad stuff happens outside of you. <clears throat> right? How much bad stuff is going on. God will work it out. Now here's, <clears throat> I want you to think about these two dudes in the, in the, in the scriptures. You've got Joseph. 
And Joseph is betrayed by his brothers. He's thrown into a cave and he looks up to God and he says, God, do something. Please do something right now. Like, my brothers just threw me in a cave and this Egyptian caravan is going to take me to Egypt. And what does he hear from, from God? Silence. God does nothing. Have you been there? Maybe this week. You've prayed for God to come and rescue you or rescue somebody and he just doesn't say anything. That's exactly what happened to Joseph. Please, God, get me out of this. He was in Dothan, right, the city. And God, get me out. Don't let me be sold into slavery. And he is sold into slavery. And for a number of years, he has a horrible, miserable life. We'll stop right there. Because when we have that view... And we think, okay, this is it. God's not answering my call right now. Um, I think many of us miss out. Because here's what we do know. Just track his life. What do we know? That um, centuries later, God does some things. And, and, and in the life of Joseph, you know, decades later, God does some things. Now, this is the exact same city. There's another dude by the name of Elisha. Elisha was sleeping. He was a prophet, one of the first great prophets. He's sleeping, and he had this kind of butler, this servant. And these enemies actually showed up right outside of Elisha's door. And his servant came into uh, Elijah's bedroom and said, Dude, there's a bunch of guys on horses, and they're going to kill us. So what the heck, man? And here's what Elisha does. He prays. He goes, God, show my man, my servant, show him. The truth. And what does he see? He goes back outside, and what does the servant see? Chariots of fire. All of a sudden, he sees what's actually happening. There are chariots of fire all around these evil horsemen. And then Elisha walks out, looks at the horsemen, and says, God, here's what I want you to do blind all the bad dudes right now. You know what God does? Blinds them all. Then Elisha takes his, his servant and all these bad dudes and says, we're going to bring you to Samaria. We don't want to have to deal with you. God, you're going to do that, right? right. So they bring them all. And then, then Elisha says, here's what I would like you to do. They're all blind still. Open their eyes so they can see. And they all can see. Joseph prayed to the same God in a similar desperate situation. And God says, no, it's on my timetable. Elisha prayed for a desperate situation, and God said, okay, I'll do it. Are you okay with that? Because it's God's show. It's not your show. Sometimes God will work quickly and work things out quickly for his good, and sometimes God's going to tell me, which I don't like, no, you're going to have to wait, Taylor. You, no, don't, don't do this. You have to wait. All things work together for good to those who love God. I am the author and the perfecter. But the point in all of this is what? is that you can be assured that God loves you, loved you, loves you, and will always love you. That's what he's trying to tell us. Everything he has, whatever situation you think is peculiar or different, or you think you're you know, the victim, or you think, oh no, no one has it like I have it, God's saying, look, it's all in my plan. What are you nervous about this coming week? What do you, he's got it. That's what he's trying to tell you and tell me. But here, here's the thing. 
is I think in our culture, in American culture, we have a massive problem. And I think it's specific to our age. Because historically, cultures didn't question as much as we question things. You know, we're in a, quote, enlightened culture. And so, many of us read these verses and, they, and we say things like, okay, um, you know what? You use words like predestination. And you use words like calling and election. Um, and he's working out it. But um, it kind of bothers me because, you know what? I don't know about free will. So, do we have free will then? Like, what's the deal? If God's in control of all these things, he predestined me, and then when I was born, he called me, right? So if you're a kid, if you, I mean, if you've been a parent of a, of, a, of a child that has come to know the Lord, like all these kids just did, before they made profession of faith, here's what the scriptures tell us, they are being called. The effectual call of God is happening, and that's basically God saying, hey, you're mine, come here. Come here. And we don't know when. Maybe it happened later on in life for you. But the calling of God was effective. And it was, and it called, God would never ever, hey, he, he was going to what? He was going to save you. And once you got saved, he was going to sanctify you. He was going to grow you in faith. Because Philippians 1, 6 says, he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. And we also know that John says, no one that the Father draws can, can run away from God. God will get you no matter what. And the final link in the golden link that we read is, once he sanctifies you, what, is, what happens? He glorifies you. What, is that? what does glorify mean? It means he puts you in heaven. You cannot lose your salvation is what this passage means. But then people freak out because then they think, okay, well, what, what about free will? It sounds like God is doing all this stuff despite our choices, right? That everything's going to happen um, in spite of what we've done. So you know what? Hakuna Matata, right? <laughs> Ain't no worries. I'm just going to do whatever I want. Que Sarah, Sarah, right? Whatever will be, will be. And when you look at it, you think, okay, what's my personal responsibility? And this is a distinctively Western culture question that we ask. Do we have free will, or what do you ask? Are we determined by what? Evolutionary biology, if you're a science major. Evolutionary biology drives us. Or if you're a psychology major, Freud. We are governed by, we are just a, a function of our urges, right? We just, we, that's all we are. We're just our urges. And so we don't have any free will. We're just uh, determinists, right? And, and here's where we're going. And natural selection is what determines everything. And um, we think we're choosing to fall in love with someone, but actually we're hardwired to pass on genetic material. That's all that's actually happening. So what is it? And we get very binary, right? It's either this or it's this. And that's the way we think, very binary. It's, it's a dichotomy. Either this or that. And that's, you cannot do that to the Bible. Because the Bible says, no, no. It's never, ever either or. When you come to the Lord. And some things you are not going to be able to reconcile. So from the beginning, it's always that you are free and that your choices matter. They do. And you are responsible for your choices. And no one is forcing you to make those choices. And yet every single thing that happens is what? Is a result of those choices working out exactly according to the plan of God. 
Some of you may just think I just contradicted myself. Some of you just think I, may, I just said, you know, hey, that was a paradox. Like, what, what, that, you just contradicted yourself, right? You got to read the Bible, because the Bible says crazy things like this. To man belongs the plans of the heart, right? Your heart, you, you plan from your heart. But the Lord comes, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. The heart of a man plans his way, this is Proverbs 16, but the Lord establishes his steps. Doesn't that sound like the Bible's talking out of both sides of its mouth? The heart of the man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So to you belong the plans of your heart, but what you do as a result of that plan comes from who? God. To you belong your plans, but when you actually speak or act, every single time, the scripture says, that always fits the plan of God. And you got to take your brain, right? And we got to get out of this logical box that we're in, where there is logic in the scriptures, and we have to have faith. We have to expand our mind and realize, you know what? We know that the Bible doesn't contradict itself. But there are some things that we're not going to be able to reconcile. Like when you study, if you're in physics, you study light. And here's what you know. That light sometimes behaves as a wave. And if you study light, sometimes light behaves as what? As particles. So which one is it? Yes. Right? Which one is it? Is it a light? Does light function as a particle or as a wave? Yes. Both. Put it in a category. And that's what God is saying. We don't know how. Some of these things work, but it does work. How do you handle apparent contradictions that the Bible says? They ain't real because the, the Bible is not a contradiction. They're apparent. And so when the Bible says, your thoughts aren't God's thoughts, your thoughts are man's thoughts. His thoughts are way above you. Are you okay with that? Because our view of God has to get a lot bigger. And we have to think, you know what? I cannot um, understand, on the one hand, God is setting and fixing absolutely everything the way he wants it to be. But he doesn't do that. Go to the next slide. Despite our choices, but rather through your choices. Right? God is fixing and setting absolutely all things. All things work together for those that love Jesus. And he doesn't do that despite your choices. He actually does it through them. Are you okay with that? It's actually pretty practical. Because I think if you look at it and you decide that your, that your choices are fixed, you know what? If you think that your choices are already fixed, I think we're going to be very passive people. If you already know, it's already determined. Why would you do anything? I mean, I would just like order Uber Eats and watch SportsCenter every day. Great days. As passive as I could be. Or if my choices matter, like the future depends on what I'm doing, holy mackerel. I better make sure, I better be a good enough father that my kids pick Jesus. I better be a good enough pastor and a persuasive enough that a number of you that don't know Jesus, I'm persuasive enough to convince you to pick Jesus. 
Because my choices really matter and are determinative for the, you know, for the end of all ages, as are yours. Because if I start thinking like that, I mean, I, I want to take a lot of pills. Because I'm going to be paralyzed. I'm going to be anxious all the time. If I think, oh my gosh, we have free will. That means that my decisions determine the future. Right? I mean, it's like on a, on a, on a you know, lighter level, obviously, as you'll hear. It's like Marty McFly, right? Back to the future. What happened? He had to go back to the future. He got there in his DeLorean. And he had to make sure that his dad and his mom kissed at this enchantment under the sea dance. And he was going to do whatever he could do because his choices affected the future. So he better play the guitar or do whatever, right? Those are funny scenes. They're great scenes, right? I thought I'd see a little few more smiles with that illustration, but I guess not. I watched that way too many times. The Bible is trying to tell us, look, you don't have a clue You don't have a clue of the wisdom. You don't have one millionth of the wisdom of God. You don't understand it. But God uses your decisions and your will and your choices this week to what? Carry about his eternal purposes. And we are held responsible for them and they are free. Because if you don't think that your choices matter, you will be lazy. But if you think that's all that matters, you will be paralyzed. That's, that is the bind that we're in when you read the scriptures. Right? That is the bind that we think. I mean, I mean, at some level, think of what God has done. If you follow the rabbit hole, and I, why are you here this morning? Right? Why are you actually in this facility this morning? So I just so imagine if Lou and I did not move here from Orlando to plant this church, right? And you have to ask, Frank, why did you come and plant a church? Well, if I'm honest with you, it was because I was a part of the Presbyterian PCA denomination. It's a good, solid, conservative denomination. Believes in the Bible. Okay, um, that's good. But, but why did you actually trust this denomination? Well, if I'm honest with you, back in the 80s, uh, I had a youth pastor named Craig Swartz. Okay, so why did you attach to your youth pastor when you were in ninth grade? Well, um, Honestly, the only reason I attached to him initially because he liked basketball. Well, why did Craig like basketball? Well, he's from Chicago. What was the big deal being from Chicago? Well, he liked Michael Jordan. And that's what we did, is I grew up going over to his house and watching Michael Jordan. All right, so why did you want to watch Michael Jordan? Well, Michael Jordan was one of the most insanely driven, athletically gifted, competitive athletes I'd ever seen and I didn't want to miss ever a game of watching him play okay so why was he that driven oh well he went to University of North Carolina right and why did he get good enough to go to get a full scholarship to University of North Carolina well if you follow the rabbit hole back you think oh well it's because in his sophomore year of high school we all know that Michael Jordan was cut from his cut from his high school basketball team why because he was too short and too skinny We wouldn't be here in this room if J- Michael Jordan were a little bit taller and a little bit heavier. What? You think you're good enough to follow all the reasoning about it? No. 
There's so many reasons why you are where you are. And what the scriptures say is, you know what? God has it all. Are you okay with that? Because you can live a life of assurance and freedom that maybe, you know what? You're not living with, or you didn't live with this week. Because I know. All of a sudden, your mom gets stricken with an illness and she dies. So at 2.30 this afternoon, we're going to have a funeral in here. And Brandy Loveman lost her mom. And you know what I love about this funeral that's going to happen in here? And she said, you know what? I'm so sad. And you know what we're going to do, Frank? If it's okay with you, it's going to be a Hawaiian theme. And I've asked everybody to wear Hawaiian shirts. And so when everybody comes for my mom's funeral, here's what I want to do. I want to see them in a bright color. And I want to put a lay on them. And I want them to walk in here. We're going to be sad. But man, she brought a lot of life to my life, Frank. And I want to praise the Lord for that. She didn't see it coming. But she has faith. Where are you? Do you know that you're within the plan of God? And you have that security. And that God will take every one of your motivations and your choices and use it for him. So your choices actually matter. Does it determine the eternal resting spot of where you are or anybody else? No, God's got all of that. But God uses his people so your choices matter. And he's in control. Sounds weird to say. Feels like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. But that is what Paul is trying to get across to us this morning. Is that God, a God that you can't fully understand, your God? Because let me tell you, it is the God of the scriptures. And I struggle with this stuff. And then he says, look, in order for this to change your life, here's what I need you to do. I need you to personalize this thing. And we don't do this a whole lot here in Presbyterian church. But if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is not your personal Lord and Savior, we don't do this a lot. I want to challenge you. Because if you've been coming and you know God, as it's written in verse 30, You feel the calling of God. But you know that you've never been converted or justified. That's what that means, justified. You've been vindicated by the work and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. If you know that you have not made that personal, you still kind of think, okay, this is a Westtown Nice community church. I want to keep religion in its box. We don't teach religion here. We teach a relationship, you and Jesus Christ. It would be like... Whoever confesses, Jesus says, before men, Jesus says, I will confess before my Father. You have to make a decision, Jesus says. You cannot be passive. And if you've never made a decision, that's what we ask these fifth graders. If you've never made a decision, it is about a decision that you would confess with your mouth, through your heart. It's not intellectual, it's dropped into your heart. And so we ask each one of those students, hey, don't do this for your parents. Don't do this just because you know the data. Has this thing dropped from your head and you feel it in your heart? If it has, then that means God has saved you. And we want to bring that up here. And we want you to profess your faith that God has worked in you. And some of you in this room need to do that. And you've just been on the edge and you just are playing games. And and I'm not trying to be heavy-handed because I don't do this a lot. 
But it's time. You need to commit your life to Christ. And I don't know if a ton of blessing or money or wealth or health will come your way. Or, and I don't know if a ton of sickness or whatever. Because Jesus doesn't promise it. Here's what he does promise. That you will know me and you will have a peace that passes all understanding. That is what we've been trying to sell here for the past 13 years. That's why people gave tons of money, tons of time, and tons of their talent. Because it changed them. And if you make that decision, and you open that door, and you walk through that door, and you say, I'm choosing Jesus. The irony is that when you open that door, and you come inside to his house, and you close that door, I think maybe up on the wall, because we see it all through scripture, John 15, 16 will be written on the wall. Or ironically, as you pick Jesus, Jesus will say to you, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. And something inside of you will know that that's right. As much as I thought I reached out, it was always God. I looked, that's right. No one can come to me except that the Father draws him. That's what this passage is trying to say. Where are you this morning? Is this thing a personal walk with God, a personal relationship, or is it a religion? I think if you can reconcile God's sovereignty and God's control of all things, that Hebrew says he's the author and the perfecter or completer of your faith, and you just let that be, but you're making decisions, right? You're making decisions as you feel, you know, this is what God is doing in my life. That is what God is saying. I am using your decisions, right, to bring about goodness. Michael Jordan didn't know that when he got cut, that he would work so hard that summer to make sure his junior year he would be on that team, that he could be on the Tar Heels so that he could be drafted number three, right? He didn't go to Houston like Hakeem Olajuwon did. He didn't go number two like Sam Bowie did to Portland. He went number three to Chicago. And Chicago's where Craig Swartz was. And then Craig Swartz moves to Tampa, and I meet him. What? Are you kidding me? This is his plan, not mine. You can't make this kind of craziness up. And my life has changed, and my wife's life has changed. And I know bad things are happening. I know you can flip on the television, but you know what? All things, the good, the bad, the boring the unbelievable, all things work for his good. No friend, no married love, right? No fame, no parental love will give you what the Lord gives you. No. The psalm says, though my mother and my father forsake me because they don't believe in what I believe, the Lord will lift me up. It is all about him. Where are you? Please make this, per- make this be personal to you. Because the scripture says your life will be changed. If he's predestined you, he's calling you. If he's calling you, he will justify you. If he justifies you, he will glorify you in heaven with him one day. Amen? Let's pray and ask God to help us right now. <clears throat> Father God, this is one of those passages where we realize your control um, overwhelms us. And um, I know there's some in this room that don't want to give you that control. They think they have control. 
And there's other of us that think you're so big, it doesn't even matter what we do. And both of those things are not true. And so you want to mature us right now. And you want to say, your choices and your will matters. But it's all under the umbrella of my plan. Help us believe that. This is when we have to walk by faith and not by sight, God. We thank you for being a big God. We thank you that even if I'm terrible on a Sunday, it doesn't matter. If you've called somebody, you're going to save them. And at the same time, if they're feeling moved, they're really receiving you. And that is beautiful. And that's what we want to do, God. Life by life, heart by heart, here in this community, we want to see you rule and reign. Not money, not the family unit, not the size of our house, size of our bank account, but you. You rule all things, God. Bring heaven down to earth, God. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.